You are now listening to the Bornwich Generation Podcast with Apostle Mark Julius K. Bornwich. It is our prayer that the message you receive will inform, impact, set you free, and draw you closer to Jesus Christ. So please, get your notebooks and pens ready, sit tight, and listen to today's message. God bless you for tuning in to this wonderful podcast. My name is Apostle Julius Mark K. Bornwich. Here with my wife, woman of God, Kyle Sandra Bonridge. And today we are hosting one of our daughters, that is woman of God, Nisha Modi. I want you to receive this word with your spirit and God himself is going to transform your life. I pray for you that this word will give you a testimony. I pray for you that as you listen to this teaching, your life will be transformed in the mighty name of Jesus. This still remains the born regeneration. This is a house dedicated for your deliverance and breakthroughs, where winners are born, champions are raised, lives are built and nurtured to the glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Stay tuned as you receive this word. If we want to have the family discount benefits, aka blessings, then we're going to have to be a part of the family. To be a child of God, we would start with Jesus Christ because no one goes to the Father. No one can know God except through Jesus Christ. Jesus said, come on to me. When being told to come, you are being asked to follow along, to move towards something. In the Bible, there are several variations of the phrases that use, that are used to call us to come, to follow and to observe Jesus Christ. Phrases like, come on to me, come on to Christ, come on to him come on to the Holy One and come on to God. And as well, come and see is also referenced a number of times in the Bible. And in most instances, it's referenced to following Jesus and seeing how he lives, what he is doing and what he is teaching. So Jesus tells us to follow him and learn. Whenever God has showed up in our lives, whether by a miracle or a breakthrough, or simply from receiving confirmation or revelation, it is a moment of invitation. God has invited us to turn away from our sins and to seek him. When we receive any form of invitation from Jesus Christ to come unto him, we should aim to be obedient and go because in that moment, we don't know. We can't take it for granted because we don't know what the future holds. For in that moment, when we are called to come to Jesus can be the moment where we are actually one step away from entering into an unpleasant situation and God intervenes in that appointed time with an invitation by simply allowing you to get through that situation or change course of that intended path of destruction or distraction and disruption and onto an intervented path of safety and peace with Jesus Christ. He saves us from where we are heading so he can take us to where we belong. I'm pretty sure that At one point or another, some of us, or maybe all of us, have experienced a moment where we were supposed to go somewhere or be a part of something, and then something happens and stops us, and that we didn't end up going, only to find out later that had we had gone, we'd have been involved in some form of mishap or misfortune. That is a divine intervention, and in that intervention is an invitation, a divine invitation that cannot be matched by any other invitation you would receive ever, doesn't matter if it was you receive an invitation from the queen, the pope, the president, a celebrity. The invitation from Jesus Christ is an unmatched invitation. It will end will be the only invitation that's worth accepting. So basically, I'm trying to say that um, I would like for us to dedicate and or rededicate our lives to Jesus Christ. 
so that we can receive the glory of the Lord. And I'm, I'm going back to this. I'm going to this because when I did my last teaching on building uh, spiritual faith, strong spiritual faith, I, I didn't drill into the importance of Jesus Christ. So wherever we are in our lives, uh, broken and in sin, whatever it is, we, we can go to Jesus and trust him to start and finish a good work in us. Matthew 11, 28, verse 30 says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find the rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Salvation cannot come from this to the self-righteous. So no matter how self-righteous one may be, living an honest life in our own by our own standards or merits, salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. Matthew eleven fifteen says, He that hears has ears to hear, let him hear. I pray that today all who have ears will hear and take heed and accept this as an invitation to surrender to Jesus Christ. I pray that today our commitment or recommitment to Jesus Christ will open our eyes to see the glory of God and open our hearts to receiving all the benefits of being a strong member in the family of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. So the title for today's teaching is The Boisterous Wind and Holding On During the Boisterous Wind. Our anchor scripture today is from the book of Matthew, chapter 14, verses 24 to 32, and Jeremiah uh, 20, verses 3 to 6. Starting with Matthew 14, 24 to 32, when Jesus walks on the Sea of Galilee, it reads, The boat by this 24, the boat by this time was a long way off from the land, beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to, to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind and the King James version says, describes the wind as boisterous. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink and cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying, saying to him, oh, ye of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now reading this, a few things jumped out at me. Peter asked Jesus for confirmation to put them at ease in knowing that it is in fact Jesus who is coming towards them. Peter's ask was huge. It wasn't a simple ask for a simple confirmation or sign, but rather a supernatural sign or confirmation. Peter asked Jesus to allow him, Peter, to walk on water alongside Jesus Christ himself. Peter wanted Jesus to let him experience that supernatural power and authority over the elements of this world. 
let the elements be subdued under his feet and support him. I don't know if Peter realized what he was doing. Now, that's a bold ask, but guess what? Jesus obliged and told Peter, come. This made me think that many of us are asking for small victories. Many of us are putting limitations on what we believe God can do in our lives and what we believe we can do through Jesus Christ. And there are many reasons why we feel that way. We may think that we are undeserving of receiving more from God, but God's grace in the simplest form lets us know that we can still receive that which we are undeserving of receiving. Some of our prayers may sound like this. Oh God, just bless me with enough money for today. I'm not anxious for tomorrow. Or God, Give me enough money to pay my bill that's due next week. Or God, just let me get a call for the interview. Oh no, believers of God, we must be bold in our ask as Peter was. We must go boldly onto the throne of grace, the throne of undeserved favor. Today, I challenge us to shift our ask from being small to big. Try something like, oh God, Peter asked to walk on water and you said, come. So God, when I submit my resume, let the company be compelled to give me the position, qualified or not. Let them call me and say, the job is yours. Come, you start Monday. And oh God, let, let me not only get the job, but in due time, God, allow me to move up in the position to a manager as you moved up Jeroboam from being an administrator to being a king. Oh God, by the invitation of Jesus Christ, let this be my walking on water moment. Amen. Believers of Christ, Amen. it is time to go big because we have a big God who says countless times in the scriptures that he will do A, B, and C so that they will know that I am the Lord, their God, or they will know that I am God and God alone. When you get to know God, you will get to know that God is up to the task and up to the ask. And he is in the business of letting both the righteous and the unrighteous know who he is and letting us know or seeing that what he can do and that he is God and God alone, unmatched and undefeated. Continuing on, Peter, with faith, stepped out of the boat and walked on water to Jesus. To do this, Peter had to be walking by faith to walk on water. So if this is what walking by faith looks like, then I'm like, sign me up. God, let me walk on water with you because I'm in situations. For some of us, the walking on water moment could mean having financial freedom. Walking on water could mean healing from infirmities. Our walking on water moment for you could mean all charges against you are dismissed. It could mean bearing a child, business acceleration. Your walking on water moment could mean marital settlement or even visa granted, family reconciliation. Whatever your walking on water moment looks like, it is not too big for God. Just be bold enough to ask, just as Peter was. But then... In verse 30, Peter was faced with this boisterous wind. A boisterous wind is like a stormy wind. Anything that's wild and, and stormy can be unpredictable and destructive. Peter saw an aggressive wind, which is an element of this earthly world. Even though Peter was in the midst of this supernatural encounter with Jesus Christ and in the presence of Jesus Christ himself, his eyes were no longer fixed 
on Jesus, but rather his eyes became fixed on this boisterous wind that he saw. Peter stepped out by faith, but this boisterous wind, which is of this world, allowed fear, which is of this world, and doubts, again, of this world, to cripple his faith and cause him to start sinking. In Isaiah 26, verse 3, tells us that God will keep us in perfect peace when our minds are fixed on him because we trust him. So what happens when we shift our minds from Jesus Christ to the matters of this world? What happens when we shift our focus from our supernatural contact or relationship or encounter with Christ to the natural contact and relations with things of this world? What happens? Well, there's fear, doubt, regret, shame. What happens is we start to sink. So in other words, this is the picture I want us to see. We ask God to let us walk on water as Peter did. We ask God, bless me, oh God, with this miracle so my enemies can see I serve a true and living God. Bless me, oh God, so non-believers would see my favor and then bow and worship you and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. God bless me with this job that, and promote me to becoming my manager's manager. But then worldly things start to creep in. We, when we step out by faith, and the blessings start to come through, and we are walking on that water, some of us starts to shift as Peter did. For example, once we get the job, our focus shifts to the challenges. We start to focus on the learning curve, and we begin to think, oh no, I don't think I could do this. I don't understand the computer software. There's too many bylaws and policies and guidelines to learn. There's too much driving and walking and standing with this job, or too much heavy lifting involved with this job. My God, managing my manager is too overwhelming and stressful. And we cry out, I'm sinking, Jesus, save me. Now that's exactly what Peter did when he made that big ask of Jesus and when receiving it, he started sinking because that doubt that came from the worldly thing caused him to shift his focus. He had to cry out to Jesus to save him. But watch this and let's visualize this for a moment. In verse 31, the Bible says that immediately, as in without delay, instantaneously, as if it was a reflex. Some of us think we have good reflex. Well, Jesus Christ is the ultimate champion of reflexes, okay? Anyways, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and took hold of Peter. And though the Bible doesn't really mention anything about a dialogue from Peter at this point, we can envision that Peter was silent and he shifted his focus back to being in the care of Jesus Christ. Now, the boisterous wind or the storm wasn't over because the Bible says that the wind ceased when they got into the boat. Though the storm wasn't over, Peter in the midst of the storm received supernatural protection and peace in the hands of Jesus Christ. Won't we be journeying through life, adulting, walking towards Jesus and then something happens? This boisterous wind comes along in the form of that boisterous person at our workplace that is against you, the boisterous disease that is plaguing your body, that boisterous debt and economy that has you enslaved to the lender and to poverty, that boisterous loneliness that is keeping you from marriage. When Jesus said to Peter, oh ye of little faith, why did you doubt? He reminds us 
that we should not waver in our faith. Our faith should not be little. Our ask, whether big or small, must be matched with a big faith that is unwavering. See, wavering faith and doubt is so dangerous that it increases us in our flesh while it decreases us in the spirit of Christ. Remember, Peter, by faith, was walking on water. He increased in the supernatural and decreased in the flesh until he shifted his mind from Jesus to the supernatural of the wind. Jesus, who is the supernatural, to the wind, the natural. Wavering faith and doubt is so dangerous, it breeds within us an identity of uncertainty. We become uncertain of who we are and whose we are. We begin to have an identity crisis because we say we are a child of God who is in the hands of God, but yet, at the same time, we start to think we are a victim of things of this world. We are not good enough, strong enough, smart enough, beautiful enough. We begin to wrestle with our identity we have in Jesus Christ versus the identity we have in the world. As soon as we take our eyes off of Jesus, these two identities begin to wage war against each other. If our eyes are not on him, it is on the elements of the world. If we are not walking towards him and his kingdom, we are walking in the flesh and sinking in the world. In this world, the enemy will try to arrest us under the spirit of defeat, fear and depression, anxiety, scarcity, homosexuality, loss, mental illness, whatever else. When we begin to focus our attention on these things, that means that we ultimately forgotten that the Bible has told us that these spirits do not come from God because God gave us a power, a sound mind and authority to trend and tread and trample on serpents, scorpions, lions and the adder and get this all as in everything, nothing is excluded. All the powers of the enemy, all the powers of the enemy, all the powers of the boisterous winds in our life. The carnal world will strip us of this identity in Christ with whom all things are possible. And so we begin to sink and sink and sink below the elements of this world as Peter was sinking. We begin to sink because we undermine the authority which we have through Jesus Christ. And so we sink below and become captive of the elements and principalities and rulers of the world and the spiritual wickedness in high places. We begin to sink because we wavered in our faith. Wavering faith and doubt is that dangerous and it will arrest us. Believers, wavering faith and doubt is not a part of our identity. It is not our safety. It is not our lifesaver. Our safety and lifesaver is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And this is where our true identity lies. If you have a wavering faith, if you have any doubt, you are currently going through an identity crisis and would need to ask God to help you to stay in the posture of being his child, in the posture of a firm faith. So when Jesus says, come, then go. When we find ourselves in life situations, we can call out to Jesus, save me. 
and know that the hand of Jesus is stretched out in our lives, in our identity crisis, in our shame, into our stagnation, into our disease and our joblessness, homelessness, spouselessness, if that's a word. But Jesus is stretching out his hand and he is saying, hold on to me. Don't lose faith. Don't doubt. I will hold you and make you invincible and untouchable and unshakable and unmovable in the face of our enemy, in the midst of the boisterous wind, in the midst of the brokenness, the trials, the depressions, the pain, the troubles. I am with you and I will save you and I will deliver you from the storm to the boat. Jesus is saying, keep that same faith, that same energy that had you Listen to my voice when I said, come. That same faith that made you believe that you too can walk on water alongside me and not sink. That faith that will take you from fear to a supernatural encounter to your destiny, to your breakthrough, to your answered prayers. Some of us may feel like we are sinking in our situation. Some have started to feel crippled by fear and doubt. Oh, ye of little faith, why do you doubt? Why are we doubting the same God of Ephesians 3 verse 20, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, all the things we ask. Therefore, no matter how big our ask or how many ask we have, no matter how far fetched it may seem, God can not only surpass all of it, but he can surpass it in abundance. There are so many restrictions in life, so many caps or ceilings put on things nowadays to prevent us from going beyond. I mean, down to our data plan on our cell phones, companies, they have various plans, unlimited plans. They have 50 gigabytes. The 50 gigabytes only allow you to go up to 50 gigabytes. Similarly, as men, we can only go up to our fleshly potential. But the unlimited data plan is endless, and that is our God. Our God is an endless supplier of all our resources, natural and supernatural, spiritual and mental, and Jesus is the only source that, can, that gives us connection to our unlimited and endless God. Unlimited access to reaping, unlimited access to rejoicing, unlimited access to winning, unlimited access to giving. So why do we doubt the words of Jesus spoken in Math Mark in Mark 9, verse 23, saying, all things are possible for one who believes. This big ass moment with Peter is a testament that the book of Mark chapter 10, verse 27 says, Jesus says, with man, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. And let's not forget the big axe moment with Joshua and Hezekiah and all the many others. Joshua asks God to keep the sun and the moon still in Joshua 10, verse 12 and 13. He basically asks God to stop time so that they can see through to having the victory and completing the battle they were in at that time. The boisterous wind they were facing in that moment. It was a big ask of what seemed impossible for man, but with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. God can 
in order to allow us to overcome those trials, God can. God can deem the impossible to man to be possible. So grab onto the hand of Jesus Christ and hold on to God Almighty without fear and doubt. And Jeremiah faced a number of boisterous winds himself. And one of those boisterous wind was Pasher, the priest, as well as other priests and other prophets and wise men who were calling Jeremiah terror on every side. They were plotting and scheming against Jeremiah. And the Bible even said that his closest friends were denouncing him and watching and waiting for his downfall. Jeremiah only needed to stand on God's promise to him in Jeremiah 1, verse 18 to 19. I will make you to these people a fortified wall of bronze. And it goes on to saying, they will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. See, God called Jeremiah to be a prophet before he was conceived in the womb, which means Jeremiah's purpose and identity was already assigned appointed and anointed to do the will of God under the safety, protection, and provision of God. So when we know and stand firm on God's promises, and we know who we are and whose we are, we are not to be shaken or moved by this boisterous wind. When we stay in the hands of God, our enemies who rise up against us will receive that return to send a judgment. There is no evil thought or evil word or prophecy and no spiritual wickedness that anyone can say over us or do against us that God cannot reverse and send back to the sender. Pasher, the priest, persecuted Jeremiah for prophesying the doom that was coming upon them. He beat Jeremiah 40 lashes, threw him in captivity. After one day, Pasher returned to release Jeremiah. And when Jeremiah was released, he unleashed this back to sender prophecy upon Pasher. In Jeremiah 20, verse three to four and verse six, of Pasher from priest to terror, and he will witness the death of his friends. Do we understand what this means, people of God? Are we grasping this information? Are we grasping what the Bible is telling us? It means that when we belong to God and we are in the hands of Jesus Christ, not only can God save and deliver us from our enemies, but he can also change the identity of our enemies, as in our enemies who our enemies think they are, who others perceive our enemies to be, and who, how people receive them, God can change all of that. Change it. God can change the identity of the enemy, our enemies, from how the enemy sees themselves to a new identity of terror. And not according to our words or our thoughts, because some of us won't curse our enemies, right? Not according to us but according to God Almighty, God said that. You ever have someone trouble you and years later you see them and you look and you see them on the street and you look and they look so stressful, like they are going through a rough time. They look like terror on every side. Yes, leave the boisterous wind to God because the battle is the Lord. Just fix your eyes on Jesus. Call out and he will hold you and make your enemies unrecognizable to you. Now, back to this, back to send the prophecy or judgment. It did not end there. As a matter of fact, it intensified. And I couldn't help but to cheer on Jeremiah because Jeremiah is so bali bali. I was like, yes, Jeremiah, say it with your chest this time, Jeremiah. 
Jeremiah continued to tell his prosecutor, Pasher, his boisterous wind, his enemy, that not only will you be in captivity, Pasher, but you and all your friends and everyone in your circle will be put to death. Let's take notice of how God made Jeremiah deliver this back to send the prophecy to Pasher. First, he started out with Pasher losing his identity, stripped and watching his friends die. Then in verse four and five, the prophecy speaks of what will happen to the forsaken priests, the prophets and the whole of Judah, reminding Pasher of the very thing he beat and locked up Jeremiah for and just released him from. Then the prophecy went back and ended with Pasher going into captivity and the death of his friends and his family and all who dwell in his house. The prophecy ended with the ceasing of the boisterous wind, the ceasing of Pasher. Verse six says that Pasher will go into captivity. To Babylon you shall go, and there you shall die, and there you shall be buried, you and all your friends. The boisterous wind ceased, dead it is done. And this is the kind of boldness we should hold over our enemies when we know who we are and whose we are. So some of us may be asking how, how do we get through the storm when we're facing the boisterous wind or our moments of captivity? The word of God is so rich that there are solutions found in it for everything. There are so many examples in the Bible that we could get of how to get through the storm. But Jesus is my ultimate example. When Jesus called the laden and the heavy burden to come unto him, to take the easy yoke, he also said to learn from him and we will find rest. So let's learn what Jesus did during the trials in this storm. And I'll make this brief because this is a whole teaching on itself. So Jesus, what did Jesus do? He prepared, he stayed prepared. He fasted, he prayed, he called others to pray with him. He kept his faith and talked to God. Jesus was in many moments of communion with God as an in intimate moments of dialogue and meditation with God. He continued ministering and doing the will of God. We cannot be disobedient to the will God has called us to do in our lives. Though Jeremiah struggled with his calling, he stayed on course and he conquered his enemy. Though Jesus asked God to take the cup from him, he stayed on course and conquered death. I could only imagine what would happen had Jesus been disobedient. He resisted, Jesus resisted temptation of sin. He ran the devil to depart from him. He stayed armored in the word of God and fought the devil with the word. Jesus continued to encourage others and move forward. He endured. And to encourage others and move forward and endure, we would have to fix our mind on the right things. Fix our mind on Jesus. And when our minds begin to drift, to the wind, to lust, to deception, idol worship, witchcraft, fetish, priests, sorceries, whatever, anything that we want to use and attempt to medicate and alleviate the storm, we must remember Philippians 4 verse 8, that whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Think on these things. And finally, on the cross, Jesus forgave. In the moment of ultimate storm, Jesus forgave. When he asked God to forgive them, that means he himself 
already had forgiving, had forgiveness in his heart. So let's keep our hearts clean because persecution will come. The plots and schemes will come. The depression will come. The doubt will come. Weary nights will come. Tears will come. The pain will come. Hunger will come. The boisterous wind will come. But the supernatural, powerful right hand of God will also come. Then all these worldly things will cease. Despite how difficult the persecution and bondage may be, despite how long the enemies have been plotting and scheming against you and your destiny, despite the noise you, you around you telling you that you will never achieve it, never receive God's favor, never receive healing, despite the condemnation of your family and friends and co-workers and even strangers, do not give up. Stay firm in the hands of Jesus Christ. The boisterous wind will cease. The enemy will be subdued and your freedom from whatever is holding us captive will prevail. The boisterous wind in our life will see the return to send the judgment of God because we held on to the lifesaver, Jesus Christ, and we are holding strong to our faith without waver, without doubt, without fear. Amen. We speak Amen. in authority Amen. of who we are and who we are. Amen. And we shall not lose our identity, but rather, rather the enemy will lose their identity. So I am declaring over us that we are hand in hand with our lifesaver, Jesus Christ, who is building, holding on to us and who will save and deliver us, who will cease our boisterous wind and will change the identity of our enemies. I declare over us that we will not sink. We will not drown. We will not die in captivity to our situation. Rather, we are filled with complete faith and assurance that our situation will die in its own captivity and be yes. buried for good. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Let's praise God. Can we praise God and come off our mics and give God all the glory in advance for the victory that is coming our way? We praise you, O Lord, for our breakthrough. We praise you, O God, for ceasing the boisterous wind. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you in advance for the victory, O God. We praise your name. You are the eternal Father, eternal rock of ages. Thank you, Jesus, for our identity in you and has been restored. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, oh God. So I'm going to go into our closing prayer. Lord, let your name be glorified. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Father, the Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory and praises to the Most High Creator, oh, heaven of all the creator of all the heavens and the earth. Father, I pray that the teaching today will create an avenue for change to occur in the life of the listener. Let this teaching ignite a spark of assurance in the faith we have in you. Let today be the day, Lord, that we give everything to you, including our hearts and our lives. Jesus, continue to remind us that we are held by you. Our identity is within you, and we will bring you will bring us to safety from our boisterous wind. Let your words be a revelation, a confirmation, and an invitation to those who hear, have ears to hear. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, O God in advance for the lives that will be changed from your word and the glory that will be brought to your name. We praise you, we worship you, we honor you, and we bow to you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
Can we can we all unmute our microphone and give the Lord a wonderful praise this time? Yeah. Thank you for listening to today's message. It is our prayer that today's message has proven to empower, equip, and impact you with knowledge and strength to draw you closer to Jesus Christ. Listen to more sermons by Apostle Mark Julius on podcast, Audio Mac, and Spotify by searching for Mark Julius K. Bormich. We invite you to partner with us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Mark Julia Cujo, YouTube, Bormich Generation, and Instagram, Mark Bormich. For prayer and sponsorship, kindly call or WhatsApp plus 233-5744-01889 or plus 233-5440-83430 or send us an email juliusmark85 at gmail.com. Thank you.